Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Photography Bar. Uh, I'm joined today by Cam, Mark, and we've got the returning photographer's mentor, Jeff Brown, back on the show. Jeff, great to see you again. Fantastic. It's good to be back here again. Lovely to have you. And uh, we're talking about something uh, a little bit different today. I'm going to get straight into it, guys, if that's all right. Uh, yeah, we're go talking, for it, We're talking about the Shutter app. Um, I, I hope I've got that name correct, Jeff. Can you can you yeah, tell us about right, this? Yeah. Can you tell us about this app and and what it is and what it's all about? Yeah. So uh, earlier last year, probably about um, October time, I was approached by a company uh, that's it's like a co-founded company set up from uh, individuals in Saint Petersburg and also in uh, in Germany as well. And this this company has been got behind by Porsche. So Porsche have like an angel investor fund that they put into tech firms that they can see like a real future with or something that's going to really develop. So what the Shutter app does is it allows photographers to take control of um, a client or a model's mobile phone camera and actually operate it as um, to take photographs. So this basically means you can now take photographs with anybody anywhere in the world. The photographer operates their, operates their mobile device, so it will operate the exposure, the focus point, the zoom. You can also do video with it as well. And then uh, they, they can also use the... Um, the client's speaker and microphone to direct the person. Um, so funny enough, uh, <clears throat> now that it's been topical today that um, Harry and Megan's been on, on the news, but mm. they just recently had a photo shoot done and that was done by a photographer uh, in London. And yeah, the photo shoot that. was carried out in California. Oh, wow. And that was that mm. using the, the shutter app then? So, yeah, so it was, it was using um, shutter sort of like uh, app technology and there's right. um, Times Magazine as Times Magazine has just recently, I think it was last month's publication of Times Magazine had a, a Hollywood star and that photograph was taken using uh, using Shutter app. It's really interesting, oh, wow. isn't it, to see that that's, that's you know, I suppose it's perhaps because we're in the, the pandemic era as well and people have looked to, to see what different technologies are available or what they can introduce to conquer kind of being stuck in lockdown, I suppose, perhaps. Is that something that's perhaps the inspiration behind this, do you think, Jeff? Funnily enough, the, the, the actual, the, insp- the the lady who invented it, um, so the lady behind it who is a photographer in St. Petersburg, she'd always promised her best friend she was going to do um, a newborn shoot for her um, when, when she had a baby. And then obviously lockdown happened. That couldn't, that couldn't take part. But her husband is a bit of a, a tech guy. He creates apps and develops apps. So she, she came to him with the problem. And then literally within about 48 hours, he'd developed what was, what was going to be the shutter app. And obviously it's massively changed since then, but yeah, that's how the idea came about. And then since then she started using it to, to do, I mean, the, there's, there's clients in the shutter app using it for, for creating maybe 30, 40 shoots a week from oh, wow. there. Yeah, wow. so it has massive potential. Obviously, it will never replace uh, in-person photo shoots or studio photo shoots. It does have, um, you know, its limitations. But if you think about it, you still have you still have quite a bit of control. So you can control the exposure, you can control the zoom, you can position the client as if you were speaking to them. Um, you know, if you were in the studio or if you were outside. Yeah, but obviously, the, the the lighting source isn't controllable as it is if you're in in person so mm. i think from a ph- photographer's point of view you need to be a bit more adaptable you need to be good with direction good with dealing people and all uh, dealing with people and also being able to adapt um to the control in light situations look at the environment around you and 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 you know pose people where they need to be tell them they need to be but 
on the on some of the other plus sides, you know, the, the, the client could be getting a shoot in the house and they could have they could quickly run upstairs and, and change an outfit and come downstairs again, you know. So there's the, there is lots of real benefits to it. Um and it what it does, it's another bolt on to to what you do. Mm. I, I mean with the um with, with, with the shutter app as, as such, I mean, I completely get it during lockdown. I mean, uh, I can see it's a, it's a no-brainer if you know if you're doing loads of shooting. In fact, I yeah. know someone who's used a, whether it's this one, I, I don't know. Um, do you feel, though, that maybe when lockdown is over, which for a lot of photographers, hopefully it will be uh, the 12th of April um, yeah. and definitely hopefully by, by the end of June, uh, do, do you think people will carry on? So you're saying some photographers are using, you know, this this app for like 30, 40 shoots a week. Do yeah. you think they'll continue doing that? Or do you think that maybe when we can start having people in studios or, or into shoots that that might drop off and and it'll go back to more face-to-face stuff? From, from what I've seen from from the the usage it has, obviously there will be a, you know, will, there will be a drop off after after things open up again. But, you know, there's people using it now in areas of the world where, studios are open when people where people can actually go to a photography studio so say for instance you're a you know a business person you're a busy guy you don't have you don't have the opportunity or or you can't spare maybe an hour or an hour and a half out your day to get down and get a headshot done you could actually get that done at your desk in the office from a photographer um in london and you Mm. could be in edinburgh you know so there's there's that ability that that flexibility and also from the uh, one good thing I can think about it. Uh, another really good thing is, say, for instance, you're a photographer in in maybe uh, India or um, Indonesia or, or Pakistan or somewhere like that. It's a bit like Fiverr. It gives you the opportunity. You could be a really talented photographer, but you could be working with clients in New York, Paris, and London, and getting paid potentially 10, 20 times more than it would if you did a shoot back at home. I guess it's interesting in it's, uh, the, this is technology again advancing isn't it and I, I found it quite difficult to get my head around at first when I saw it because my immediate thing was quality obviously you're limited to the quality of your phone camera there's there's that so it'd be interesting if technology moves it on to actual you know being able to use DSLRs and mirrorless and I'm sure it will do because it, it sounds completely viable and then so I think the quality of this will will get so much better um the, one of the advantages I thought of was uh, that you can potentially work with whichever photographer you want to, can't you? You can, you know, if there's a photographer that you really, really do want to work with, you can you can contact a photographer wherever they are. You know, for us, it could be somebody in New York. Think, I really want to do that. But it's also good from a teaching point of view. I can see it um, being used from sort of for education as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, there's a few, I know a few photographers who are using it for training courses. So say, for instance, I, I had a, an online training program, an online training course to add an extra dimension. Part of the course would, the, the, the student could have a half hour and you could go out with the, the student effectively. You could be in there in your, um, in your office. The student could go out into the countryside or wherever it is. And you could give them rules on composition. So, you you know, you, they've got their mobile phone, they're holding up. And incidentally, it will connect with certain cameras as well. Will it? So that, 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 that option is coming in. So you can, you, uh, I think uh, I had an inquiry the other week about it and found out and because uh, somebody was wanting to use it with some uh, uh, Canon sort of uh, DSLRs and, and said, yes, that would be possible. So, and obviously the, the limitation on, the, on the, the images produced is just limited by the camera 
So if you have like, like I've got a Huawei mobile phone, it's got a 40 megapixel camera. So the images that are produced are 40 megapixels. That's what the photographer gets back. And you can also get them as raw files as well. And then I guess on the opposite side is, you know, we've already mentioned it a little bit, you know, are, are we taking work away then from a local photographer? Um, you know, that's, you know, because if you think if you think that you've got a, a, a say you've taken pictures of a model, uh, yeah. and that model's got to have somebody who's holding the actual camera, so there's just another person that's involved there, and then of course you've got the photographer who could be on the other side of the world. Would you know? Are we well, the Harry and Meghan workaway? example? Well, yeah. I mean, has it been could have been a Californian photographer instead of yeah. a London? Yeah. yeah. Has it yeah. been taken away from a from a local photographer? Um, that's about the down. That's really the downside for it from from my point of view. I think. But then again, the other side to that is if there's a photographer that you really want to work with, then you've got that option to do it, haven't you? So yeah, I think uh, there's quite a few photographers that I know through through the shutter app who uh, you know who have like uh, potentially on Instagram who have big followers big followings and, th- and these aren't mm. necessarily photographers who are uh, making money from doing it you know because there's quite a few people who are using it just using it for portfolio building but it means they can diversify and work with people from all around the world you know they can get some uh, maybe uh, environmental portraits you could be a photographer in i don't know nairobi in in mm. kenya and you could do and be doing a shoot with somebody in in paris with the eiffel tower in the background mm. using you know t- taking that person outside so it allows people to work with anybody they want and i think yes there is that element that you know a, a local photographer could be losing out but then that local photographer if they if they incorporated into their offering could be working with somebody in another town or another city so i think it's just another dimension mm. to look at um to look at and, and potentially for the photographers it's, it's very very profitable it's 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 usually short in 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 time span maybe 30 minutes and for the client it's cheaper than going to a studio so it gives mm. it gives the photographer an entry point into potentially getting more business could i can i drop in with something there guys yeah. because um obviously at the minute jeff we're talking about its professional kind of application yeah. um do you think there is a market for it as well where it's people that perhaps aren't seeking kind of professional work but let's say it's um you know people are away on holiday and they're they're getting in touch with being interacted with family or friends and they're they're taking the pictures or that that sort of thing is there like a, a hobbyist or a, a, a sort of a mass consumer sort of element to it as well do you think is, is... i think yeah i think there's a bit of both because i've seen people doing it for you know people like students and stuff who want to build a portfolio so somebody wants to build a portfolio of modeling pictures uh, i think one of the way that the, the shutter app is is looking at expanding as things change is doing it uh, as a two-way thing so that you will have um, when it becomes like a paid service because they're going to do it as a paid app as well as a free app is one of one of the advantages will people will be able to log on and request to find a photographer in that particular or does a particular type of shoot so somebody can say right i want i need a a boudoir shoot or i need a model portfolio shoot and then all the photographers who are registered can then pitch forward to do that particular job so it's um so it allows models to approach people with a particular budget in mind and then go and work with those anywhere in the world but as i say it's not the same as going to a studio but um there will be people who want to do it just to build portfolios or just to get that experience right okay yeah i mean it's, it's interesting isn't it because with that sort of thing it it just takes uh, it just for example it just takes i'm just sort of thinking out loud here but it just takes say apple to take a look at it doesn't it and think 
oh we like this you know um we could just we could incorporate this you know and then and then before you know it you're in a, a some sort of partnership or whatever yeah you know some if some tech company can can see the potential there and think right well we can use this as some sort of usp for devices across the board and it's actually built in properly to camera functions. Could you see something like that happening down the line? Where it's, it's well, you know- funny enough, there's a, a big ca- um, camera, uh, mobile phone camera manufacturer who's um, just approached the show up, and I've been speaking to them on their behalf about utilising this for the launch of their new phone next month. Um, and they're going to oh, have right. like a, an online sort of party launch for it, and and they're going to use the show app as as part of the part of the launch program. So they're really really interested in this particular technology and also uh, another company that's probably quite well known in in the uk is bounty you know bounty who used to go in and do the um the shoots when people would uh, mm. have a baby hospital and, yeah, yeah. No, yeah not not the chocolate bars <laughs> yeah no no quite keen on using it i think they've been using it uh, about 30 or 40 photographers have been using it through the for the bounty program for doing uh, maternity and newborn shoots mm. You know, I suppose it's, it's sorry, Cam. Carry on. No, I was going to say I was going to come back to the thing about you know photographers that are going to think it's, it, is it taking work away from local photographers? But it's it's, it's it, you know the more you think about it, it's not it's 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 more about embracing it again, isn't it? And we say that a lot. It's about embracing the new technology and and if you're a professional out there, you know, uh, is is to possibly say yeah, I'm going to just sort of jump into this, I'm going to dive in and start using it and see if we can if I can earn money from it. Because in many ways, you know, my first thought on it was, hmm, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm sure it's got the benefits that I can't quite see yet. And the more you talk about it, the more you realise, actually, you know, it is something that we should, it's another It's another bit of new tech that we need yeah. to We need to be embracing. Yeah, I know a few clients I work with who, who use it and it, it's like an, an offering. So they can, they can do maybe, you know, a, a personal branding shoot for somebody for £250. Um, which is a half hour shoot and that can be either an outdoor shoot or an indoor shoot in the client's home or in a park or near where the client lives and um, that shoot is done but then later on when the when the images are delivered that upsells to another package which may be you know like a full day shoot in person so it's it's a great sort of like entry point into getting into working with people so it's it's something that you know you think you 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 don't want to try and sell that all the time you want to sell your top packages but it gives you an option to to get in with them and and potentially work with people that you're never going to work with anyway because you you know if you're based in the uk you're probably never going to be working with somebody in california or new york but that gives you the option to do it if you have social media follows over you know around the world Hmm. certainly something hmm. to uh something new and exciting to try and get your head around isn't it yeah and uh definitely. mark you look like you're going to say something there well i was just about to say it's 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 something that is it's here now isn't it i mean this is probably the way it's going 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 forward and i think obviously after the year we've had people are looking at ways of working from home and you know cutting out the commute essentially um which you know, if you have to go to New York to do a picture of a model, that's quite the commute, isn't it? So, <laughs> Just a little um, bit. So, so I, I see that. Um, I hope it doesn't replace normal photo shoots. That's that's my only worry about it, to be completely honest, because I think having that sort of experience within a studio, essentially, especially, mm-hmm. um, is, is something is something different. Especially if it's you know, for me, it's like in family photography. I think I find it quite difficult to get a two-year-old to do what I want to do through a shutter app, to be quite honest with you. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's the way it's, I, I mean, it's the way technology goes, you know, um, you know, I remember when we were all using E6 and now we're 
or shooting digitally. So, uh, so yeah, it's just an interesting way in where the, where the photography industry is going. And people love tech, you know, and there are, you know, a certain generation that are going to, that are so savvy with their phones and their tech anyway, that it's just going to be second nature uh, to pick it up, work with somebody. They're, they're not going to think any differently that they've got somebody at the other end of the world and they're doing a job with them because, well, we're doing it through Zoom and Team, aren't we, now? Um, you know, so yeah. it, it's, yeah. it's it's another extension of that which is going to feel perfectly normal. Yeah, um, and I think, it, you know, it, the originally started off, I think, back back in March last year, mm. before before I'd even heard of Shut Rap. I'd seen people doing it on on, um, on Zoom, so doing Zoom shoots and then doing mm. shoots. Um, mm. But obviously the, the the problem with that was the, it was you were taking a screen grab of of the recorded image. So yeah. the, you know, it was a compressed image, the 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 quality yeah. was really, really poor. So, so this has obviously progressed it to more of a professional standard where you're getting mm. high quality images and you've got a lot of, a lot of control, as much control as if you're using the, the mobile phone itself. And then, like I said, you know, you can use DSLRs with mm. those as well. Yeah. So yeah, I think mm. it's something you, you know, you, not everybody's going to embrace it. Not everyone's going to take it into their offering, but it's giving you something to get in there and also potentially have clients anywhere in the world. Yeah, no, I think it, I, you know, the more I see it, the more I'm sort of warming to the idea of it, which is, yeah. uh, which is you know, which is really good. Uh, um, now, guys, you want to say anything else? Because I think I'm going to lead into something else. Robert, were you going to? Uh, no, no, I think that's, I think Jeff's put, you know, Jeff's uh, expanded on that. You know, it's, it's always useful because we've just seen the app and we've, I think Jeff, in our, in our separate talks, you've mentioned it a few times, but actually having a, a discussion and having you explain the app, how it works, the benefits of it, some of the drawbacks as well, but then actually how you can incorporate it creatively into, into what you do, whether it's um, part of the sales tactic to upsell and things like that. I think actually um, it's, it's, it's kind of, filled in the blanks if you like because when you just see it on the surface some people might make assumptions about how oh it's going to try and replace the photographer etc etc but but it, i don't know if, it, if that really is the case based on, on what you've sort of said to us here jeff so it's been really good actually uh, having you kind of expand on that and um yeah and it's just it's just been quite interesting actually because as cam's already said technology evolves and uh, and mark said you know it's here to stay now technology yeah. like that it's going to keep evolving isn't it yeah embrace it absolutely say, yeah now talking about photos from anywhere in the world do you guys know and i reckon robert you might know the answer to this because we've discussed this previously i'm sure we have do you do you guys know which is the most viewed photo of all time any ideas when you say viewed what uh, how how we uh the most eyes on eyes on image the most seen I, picture. I reckon Jeff's seen from your impression. Do you you, you got some I, I've idea? I've seen something. At, oh, was it? it but, uh, is it something to do with a screensaver off uh, off a laptop or something like that? Off, yeah, very it, close. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, well, I haven't, I haven't a clue. <laughs> I thought it might have been like I don't know the shell shot man or something. You know, some iconic picture. But no, <laughs> no, you're thinking way too uh, intricately there, Mark. Yeah, it's something much yeah. much simpler than that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it, it is actually the Windows uh, XP desk saver, um, <laughs> screensaver, a desktop image of the <laughs> of the uh, the blue sky with the clouds with the green fields. Uh, it is. Oh yeah. Okay. It is the most seen picture um, of all time, and um, the it was taken in California. Uh, the actual image uh, in 1996. Now, have you got any idea of which camera that the original photo may have been taken with? In 1996? It was taken in 1996. Right, yeah. That's beyond me a bit. I was still in a nappy in 1996, so... <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, uh, any idea what we think, right? You know, I mean, could it have been a digital image at, at, at that stage there? It could possibly have been, but no, I think it was something like, I'm going to guess, uh, the Nikon F5. Nikon F5. Okay, do you want to throw your uh, uh, preferred camera options in there? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I can't comment, so... <laughs> Uh, Canon, oh, I don't know what was around then. T T ninety, I'll say. Canon T ninety. Uh, Robert, what brand would you say then? I'm going to say it'll be uh, it'll be a Canon camera. Yeah, yeah. I reckon it's Canon. Uh, okay, no, it's the a EOS one Mam- V or something like that. No, no, it's a Mamiya RZ six seven. Oh, I was just going to say that. Oh. Damn it. Yeah, I should have known that because you were asking the question, Cam. <laughs> yeah, and a camera which I had actually, uh, which I used for many yeah. years. Did you take the uh, picture, Cam? Uh, no, I didn't. And I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> Do you think he'd be sitting here talking to us if he had taken that picture? <laughs> Interestingly enough, it was taken by a, a Mr. Charles O'Rear in Sonoma in California in 1996. And the, as far, do you know how much he got for it? Any idea? I, I, I feel like I feel like we're, we're destroying your story here, Cam. But no. I want to say something like it was done very much on the cheap because it was so like the fact that the whole world has seen this picture really relates to no amount of value to the photographer because he agreed yeah. to a deal or it was done very much, you know, as a one-time Always done deal. through Shutterstock or something like that. Did they have Shutterstock back in 96? No, I don't think no, so. No, I don't think they did. No. Whatever the equivalent was. They must have had stock libraries there. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't think they would have taken it from stock though, would they? Windows, would they? No, no, they'd, they'd have their it own. Done. Yeah, they'd, they'd have it done. That'd be a, a bespoke no, image, wouldn't it? They'd, they'd, yeah. they'd have. A, but okay, so think about it now. Say that a photographer was asked. Now, Jeff, you might be a, a good person to uh, answer this. But say a photographer took this now, and Microsoft were going to commission somebody to do it. What sort of value do you think? What do you what, what do you think the photographer would be paid for something like this? Now, do you think it would be like a low nominal fee or something? And just the publicity alone would be worth it. Would you think it would be silly money? It would have to be. I, I think um, you'd have to want you'd you'd have to have something in there for like the, you know to re reuse the terms of right usage. So you could you, you could be cashing in on that every single year. So you, they would only get that for like maybe one year license, and they'd have to get that mm. that license mm. over and over again. But I, I imagine this guy is probably done it for you know a very small amount, hundred dollars or something like that, and. Okay. Well, considering that it was the it was a um, most popular desktop for over six years, and the image is called Bliss, and it's been it's been viewed by over one billion people. In fact, he received one of the largest amounts ever paid to a living working photographer. It was oh really yeah, and it's never been disclosed. Okay, the it was a hefty sum that uh, Microsoft paid him, and uh, the exact figure has never been it's never been re- uh, wow. revealed. Um, but interesting, it says it's the largest, and a quote, he received one of the largest amounts ever paid to a living, working photographer. Um, oh. in, and, and I get that as far as, um, you know, when people aren't paid, you think that, yeah, they were paid such a nominal, just a tiny fee, mm. and they didn't realize it was going to be so big. And, uh, you know, but uh, no, he was actually paid, he was actually paid big money for this. He was paid oh, fair play. big money for it. That's why I called it bliss. <laughs> That's why he called yeah. it bliss. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to a guy uh, last week. Um, and he was telling the story. He had the uh, the Venture Portrait Studio. You remember Venture Portrait Studio? Yeah, yeah. I used Venture to work studio. for them. They, oh, he had. He had, two. Right. he had two. He had one one uh, near Eaton, and the other was in Knightsbridge. And they, oh, his yeah. his studio won an award for the biggest ever single portrait sale in the history of the company. Well, right. up until that particular time. 
And it was one family had come in, it was a Russian businessman, and spent £85,000. Goodness me. After the shoot. <laughs> Uh, that was the Knightsbridge store as well yeah yeah it was yeah Yeah. it was always a Knightsbridge store used to get massive sales like that princes from Dubai and all these kind of people oh my goodness yeah (laughs) Yeah. I think the biggest one we had at our studio was um, £10,000 was it really and and he was the guy who invented the water meter or something like that really (laughs) yeah not bad anyway I thought thought it was an interesting thing that I'd come across I had uh, Robert you and I had spoken about this quite some time ago but uh, I came across the picture again in the week and I thought ah you know I remember talking about that Mm, and um, it's interesting yeah because uh, because you do think it's going to be something quite iconic don't you iconic I mean it is iconic isn't it yeah I mean iconic in the photographic sense that uh, you know uh, maybe a photo in a moment of history like when JFK was shot or something like that you know it might be something like that as Mark was sort of saying but um, yeah, interesting well, that it was. That. I think it's interesting because I think the landscape, no pun intended, has changed now. Because um, you know, I think Mark's going to talk about this a little bit more. But you know, <laughs> in 1996, we did perhaps didn't see scenes like that um, quite so often, or, or it was, or images you know of that sort weren't so readily available. And Mark was telling us a little bit before the show started that he wanted to talk about something today on Instagram. Is that right, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's saturation. Some... <laughs> well, look, okay, first of all, I'd imagine this happens with every genre of photography. So before I uh, get loads of letters from the Twitter sphere, I, I just want to say, well, it's not just about landscape photography, but the thing I notice the most is like, like when you're scrolling through Instagram, you get hundreds of landscape pictures that are all perfect. Do you know what I mean? The exposure's perfect. I mean, we don't know if the sky's really there or not because you can get all these sort of dropping sky apps now, can't you? Which we were discussing about another week. Um, but I just find, I just, ah, it's not so much as so much landscape photography, but I think there's just, it's a pretty picture and that's it. Do you know what I mean? There's been no, um, you know, like I said, exposure's right. The colours look great. Um, but it's just, you know, the, there's a thing right in the centre of it. There's, you know, rule of thirds has been used fine, but there's been no experimental in the crop or it's just the same picture, just in a different location. Do you know what I mean? Do, are you, saying, else are you saying more like kind of, because it's so readily available now, do, are you kind of desensitized to it? Is that what you're saying? You're sort of numb to that now, whereas on its own, almost, you might yeah. be, you know, if you, if you walk past, um, if you walk down the street and you saw a billboard of it, you think that was really nice. But on a platform like Instagram, where, it's there's just so much of everything isn't there really depending on what you follow um that you're always going to kind of oversaturate it aren't you and it'd be nice to see a barren landscape for 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 a time do you know what i mean it's all these beautiful you know desert islands or tropical islands i'm just thinking no just why don't you take to explore that space in, in in more more of a detailed way perhaps rather than just taking that epic vista that we just see every other post on, on the perfect images you're saying yeah mm. well the perfect images but they're not they're not pushing the boundaries at all no but th- now again i'm not i'm not thinking of things that illustrate an article like um you know anything that david attenborough does or or um mm. you know discovery channel or, or or national geographic because it's illustrating um uh, an article i'm just saying you just see a lot of these pictures that are just so perfect mm. and like I say, I I, I I question whether they're actually shot in camera as well, but I don't know, like do something different. 
Am I on my own here? Perhaps no, I'm on my no, own. No, no, I, I, I do get what you're saying because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't use Instagram a great deal. But when I do go on it and I, I look through and I think, <clears throat> well, I just scroll past a lot of stuff. But actually, individually, if I was presented those pictures, let's say someone come up to me and said, Robert, I've been away and I've taken all these photos. Have a look at these landscapes. And they were printed in front of me. And let's say there were 10 prints. I'd look through and think, oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. But on an app where I see hundreds, if not thousands of the same thing over the course of a week or two weeks or whatever, um, I think you're only going to become a bit more desensitized to it. Or you just, you just yeah. scroll on I and think that's so. it. It's, it's, a, it's one second look and you scroll on. You know, and I think that, I think Instagram caters to that regardless. It's a bit like, mm. uh, I've always described it as when you go to, I think I said a while back, didn't I guys that, it's like trying to, if you advertise yourself at a wedding show, you wouldn't go to a wedding show if there were three or four other photographers. But then if you advertise on Instagram, you're advertising in a space where there are millions of other photographers. <laughs> How do you stand out? Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, I was, I was watching, um, there's a Britney Spears documentary on at the moment on Sky or oh, yeah, something. Yeah, I want to see it? that. Yeah, it, it, it's all right. It's a bit trashy. Okay, it's um, no. <laughs> we, your, your sort of thing then. Right, that's why I watched it. Now, she was saying that she was she was on Instagram and it, so it was mentioned that she'd obviously got getting a lot of engagement on Instagram from her pictures, professionally shot images here on Instagram. Um, but it suddenly changed because what people actually wanted to see and what she'd, what she'd realised and suddenly what the market was realising was that, that the, the the consumers wanted to see real photos. They wanted to see these pictures, these, these people, these celebrities in everyday normal life, not photos that were necessarily taken professionally. Now, Jeff, this would be interesting on your take, uptake on this because we are, as professionals, you know, we're told that, you know, um, we're going to be shooting, you know, somebody wants some branding images or some product images, we're going to get them into instagram and we've got a client of ours that's this this to me that she uh she runs a, a clothing company and we're doing some uh, other work first some video work but she gets photos of the clothes that she sells from the manufacturers and they're and they're very very professionally shot shot on set really high-end images she says that when she takes pictures on her phone and she just takes a photo of uh, her a friend of hers just wearing one of the outfits she gets far more engagement from that picture than any of the professionally shot images that she puts up and i think britney spears was saying the same or somebody who was narrating the program was saying that the the uh, the engagement shot up when real photos were actually being seen now is it also that we're becoming desensitized to highly professional images or images that are there purely to sell yeah, I think so. I mean, when you look at like, um, you know, product images, it, the product images don't have any real life in the product. Funny enough, I've been looking at jackets today, I was looking at like Bell Staff and Barber Jackets on, online, you know, and you, you see a lot of the Barber Jacket images aren't uh, on their website, aren't the, the sort of, um, you know, the white background type, they're actually people out in, mm. in the countryside wearing the Barber because it, it helps you visualize the product more. And I think um, I was talking to a client the other week and um, she'd come up with this idea and says, is it a stupid idea? And I says, no, because I have another client in, uh, in California who does this, online dating uh, photography. Now, if you go to a photography studio and you get a load of headshots done or professional portraits done to use on your, your online dating, that, you know, so, so if I was a guy and that, I used to do a lot of Tinder dating years ago. So you're looking at that. And if you saw a woman with a load of studio type images, you would think, 
oh god she loves herself look at you know look at this this pup mm. but if you saw some pictures of that just looks like they've been taken but they're out and about they're in the countryside they're, they're in the town you know they're nicely posed but they look like they've been taken by one of our mates but it's not it's maybe taken by a professional photographer that's going to look more glamorous and it's you know so the the photographer would pose them everything would be very very flattering but it still looks quite natural and apparently mm-hmm. there is like a, a real sort of uh, in the US a real thing for that you know so that's more really lifestyle looking images that don't look false perfectly yeah. imperfect sort of pictures really yeah. they're the more interesting Coming ones, back aren't to, they? to what you were saying before you know about the Instagram newsfeed I, I think it was it was last week you know I got up in the morning I was up like quite early out with the dog gets back making a coffee and I just happened to flick through Facebook and he's all these like sunrise photographs go on like heavily saturated some people and people going oh my god I looked at my window I saw this and I'm looking out the window at the same time thinking where the hell have you t- seen the sky like that? Because mine looks, <laughs> mine looks slightly pink. Yours is like on fire, you know? And I think yeah. people are just over, yeah. over, over killing it, isn't it? You know, they whack the saturation up there. <laughs> it's always the case when someone first discovers a vibrance and saturation, yeah, right, yeah, or yeah. a filter yeah. of some yeah. sort. Oh, we have plus 80 mm-hmm. on that, please. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> or vibrance and saturation. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, yeah. And you know, um, and wait till they discover black and white as well. Or, or hue. <laughs> that's right, hue, that's right. Yeah. But you know, this is one way, and I shouldn't actually be saying this as, as a working photographer here, but you know, companies can save themselves and they are they're saving themselves a ton of money because a well-known company i can't remember who it was in fact came out this week and said something that really they can get a lot of their marketing done for free because what they do is they just ask their consumer ask the consumers to buy their products take photos and and pop it on and people see it and because they're the sort of images that people are now buying into more so um mm. You know, and as we're saying, as a profession, as a working professional, I shouldn't really be saying that. But there is a case for that for for a lot of people. Um, and it was a big company that had mentioned this that they were just more or less just getting, you know, a lot of their a lot of what they would spend a lot of money on previously. They didn't necessarily need to do that anymore. It you remember that, when um, social proof thing as well, doesn't it? So yeah, I've been just buying some coffee off Skull Crusher Coffee. It's it's really yeah. the world's strongest coffee. It's good. They've got brilliant brand and it's gorgeous. And they, you know, when you when you get your your, your pack of Skull Crusher Coffee through, you get a voucher in there. It says, you know, you could win up to fifty pound. Please upload a photograph of yourself drinking exactly. the Skull Crusher mm-hmm. uh, Skull Crusher Coffee in a Skull Crusher mug and upload it to Instagram. So that is you know social proof. People saying, you know, I'm loving this as well. Mm. Just general real people not models or not adverts you know and that sells yeah. it better than than yeah, the fake right. the fake stuff doesn't it it's a it's a, it's a, a genuine <clears throat> in inverted commas genuine testimonial yeah you know plus people like to see themselves as uh, see their faces out there as well don't they so but do you remember when all this started i think i can remember when all this started this kind of uh, i suppose you could say now it's the beginning of the influencer trend um not that it's a trend because it's not going anywhere but uh, the influencer way of life. Must your like. annoyance, eh, Rob? And, yeah, I, I can't stand that word for everyone that... Uh, I, I just hate the word influencer. I just don't like it. But um, that's neither here nor there. Um, I think it was during uh, a World Cup or something, wasn't it? And I'm sure it was... I don't know when it would have been. But obviously, it was a long time ago. You guys might remember as well. But I think David Beckham and a few other footballers were tweeting pictures of Snickers. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. And they got they they came under a lot of fire for it because they they they... They were told that it was so. Um, they, they were presenting the image of them holding a Snickers as if they were doing it off their own back, but they've been paid to do it, which is right. what influencers are oh, now. Yes, of course. Yeah, and they yeah, came yeah. under fire for it. 
um, and they had to be honest that it's actually a paid advert afterwards. And and then from that point on is when you started to see it more. Right. But they were honest about it being an advert. And I remember that happening. I'm sure it was maybe 2010 or I don't know when that World Cup was now, but around that sort of time. Mm. I'm sure it was during a World Cup. I just seem to remember it being during a World Cup. But um, yeah, and there was a number of footballers that had done that. I'll have to try and find out a bit more about that. Mm. But do you guys remember anything like that at all? Can you? Well, I remember, uh, and I don't watch Big Brother at all, um, but I think it was what, in the early days of Big Brother and someone, it was for Kingsmill bread and someone quoted something like, oh yeah, I mean, the bread I like is is that Kingsmill stuff. It's good quality or something like that. There's this throwaway comment on on Big Brother. And, you know, a few weeks later, it's all on every Kingsmill pack, the person who said <laughs> it and that quote, mm. you know. I suppose it's like got milk. <laughs> it's, it's modern marketing. Yeah, it, it that's just the way marketing's going. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. surprising what catches on. But I just remember that as being the start of perhaps that influencer, mm. you know, that coming across as, as real and genuine when actually sometimes it, it isn't always. Um, but then there's, the, there's the like the sub, subliminal side of things as well, isn't it? That, that you know, companies pay. Funny enough, I was talking to Panasonic the other week, and they were saying, you know, their, their, their budget, they're massively changing their budget and coming away from printed press advertising, uh, photo mm. show type advertising, mm. and going into influencer advertising. But then you've got the other thing, like the other week I was flicking through the channels, there was Mission Impossible. And I just happened, you know, I watched about 15 minutes of Mission Impossible and I just noticed how many BMW cars were in <laughs> every shot, you yeah. know, BMW motorbikes, yeah. BMW cars. I mean, you know, the, the BMWs obviously paid to make sure their cars were in every single sure. shot yeah. and their motorbikes were in, you know. Makes Bond you wonder what's the same. What's... I was watching a Bond the other day and that was exactly the same thing. <clears throat> yeah. Or yeah. the Aston Martins and things. Yeah. Well, yeah. then it went to BMW. Um, um, and I was like, "Oh no, it's not taking over all the uh, secret yeah. service yeah. agent <laughs> stuff." That's their brand, is it now? Um, <laughs> but it makes you wonder, doesn't it? How much we are advertised to without you realizing it? Mm. I'm sure, it's every day, really, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Mm. But back to me at landscapes, if I may. Yeah, if, of course. If you're yeah. take it, yeah. That's <laughs> 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 all. Right. Tangent. That's okay. But I mean, I think the thing that annoys me about it is, is that it's just the same thing. So. My advice to anyone, if you're going out to land, do some landscapes, play around with your composition. Don't just do the composition you see all the bloody time. Mm. Just, you know, if, if you feel that you're going to put a horizon slap back in the middle of your if, in your composition, play around with it. Have the horizon right like a, a millimetre off the top or a millimetre off the bottom and or play with your focus. You know, let's let's see some tif, um, tilt shifts and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Don't just do the play it safe vista yeah every time do you know what i mean because it gets boring i totally get where you're coming from with that mark and it makes me wonder actually you know just bringing it back to the windows xp background would that val that picture have the same value now if it was taken today would that photographer be paid the same when there's when there's so many photographers so many images readily available now would that one the sky might be different now, you know, well, there's, yeah, but a I new mean, filter for that. yeah, the sky would change. <laughs> yeah, but, but do you think it would it carry the same value now? Would that would he be paid the same? Would the commission be the same? You know, it probably is because I mean, I you know when I look at my um, sort of desktop and it changes whether it's day or evening, I look at the a picture. So yeah, someone's going to be yeah, it's somebody's work at the end of the day. But what I mean is though is that that Microsoft now have got so much choice that it's, they don't necessarily have to hire someone to go and grab that picture now. And they just go to a stock library and buy it. They go to a stock library, but mm. there's also, as Mark's just pointed out, people doing that sort of perfect vista, perfect scene, mm. vista, no pun intended, um, <laughs> that, that perfect thing. You know, 
so much now. It's so readily available. It's so, mm-hmm. it's so the market is, you know, it's not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing because people often say it's a bad thing. There are oh, so many photographers out there now. I don't mean that at all. You know, everyone's got to carve out their own niche and things. But yeah. with, with photography being so accessible now, uh, in 1996, I'd argue it probably wasn't as accessible as it is now. You know, uh, <laughs> I think you'd agree with me there, guys. So, yeah. So, do you see what I'm trying to say there? They wouldn't have to commission the guy for the same amount because someone would probably have to do it for ten quid. <laughs> I think you know. Coming, <laughs> you know what I mean? coming back to what Mark was saying, if you looked at something from a different angle, and I remember always once reading years ago when I was getting really getting into photography, reading a, a thing in amateur photographer, and it was an interview with this I forget who it was, this brilliant landscape photographer. And they'd asked him what was the best piece of, what was his best bit of thing he couldn't do without for his job? And what, what would he highly recommend? And he said his legs. And he says, like, but, you know, when you get to where you are, don't stop and take a photograph. Walk around and look at it from, from every di- different mm. angle. And there's so many yeah. iconic things. I mean, one of the big ones where, where I live in the northeast, northeast of England is, is the Angel of the North or the Tyne Bridge, you know. Mm-hmm. And every one of those shots are taken from the same position. Yeah, you, know, you hardly see any pictures from the inside of the north from around the back or from the side, you know. So why not, you know, look at your iconic landmarks of your area and try and get a different interpretation because that's what's going to stand out on social media. That's what, you know, oh, there's a guy who did this unusual picture of that, not the one mm. that everybody else sees every single yeah. time. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really good point. Yeah. I suppose but what we're really doing here is challenging creative thinking, aren't we? Is we, I think we did an episode uh, just a few weeks ago about it's okay to copy other photographers work, didn't we? Um, yeah. And, and that was interesting, but yes. Yeah. And we, I think we concluded that it was okay to do that because by doing that over time, you carve out your own style. Um, but <laughs> I suppose here we're kind of contradicting that a little bit, aren't we? We're saying don't copy everyone else. Try something different. So where do we, well, land no, I'm there, just guys? saying, uh, well, I'm, I'm saying just push yourself. I think that's, that's what I'm saying copying you see what we were talking about other photographers work we we're talking about being influenced by someone's work maybe starting out and then, and then moving on to something else this isn't somebody's work this is everybody's work i'm saying do you know what i mean everyone's <laughs> doing the same thing on instagram do something different you know as i say change change your composition if, if you feel you're just sticking to rule of thirds why don't break from rule of thirds for a minute see what it's like see what you're experimenting with um how about looking at the detail of something as part of that that you that you're seeing instead of taking the vista maybe there's something really interesting in the bottom corner that you should investigate you know that kind of stuff is what i'm saying and it's not necessarily somebody's work you're copying it's it's just the, the what you have in your mind of what a landscape should look like is not always what a landscape should look like change it up I think that's what I'm saying. Well, we might be quoting that in years to come. Yeah. Mark. You know, that, that, that one line there. <laughs> no, it's interesting though. It's really, it's a really good point, actually. Um, I'd like to talk about something, guys, before we finish. Um, unless someone else has got something else to say on on what Mark was saying there. Uh, no. Gonna move on no. just a little Maybe bit. Um, I want to talk about dust. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, so we've gone from vistas to dust. Yes, okay, yes, very good. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're out in the field um, and you drop a lens, you drop the camera body when you're changing a lens, chances are you're going to get a bit of muck in that camera body, aren't you? Well, yeah, and, I suppose. Yeah, I Jeff, suppose. You be, yeah. Jeff, so you would have done in your uh, in your forces not say we jot cameras but not all of us yeah Yeah, definitely definitely on there and that was you know big thing you know can you remember dust on negatives when you were doing your your printing printing, yeah oh goodness me yeah you had your negatives in the dryer and it was a communal dark room and some eejit would open the door (laughs) without turning the machine off and 
I remember if you yeah. if you didn't use a wetting agent, you didn't use it correctly, then you'd get all the uh, little um, watermarks as well oh, on, yeah. on your legs as well. That was a do, nightmare. Do you want to know well. my darkroom experience? But yeah, right? go on. <laughs> um, is I, I, obviously I, I I'm not of the film era, not really. When I started with Cam, Cam showed me how to roll his film and load the camera up, but I never actually shot on film ever. Um, so, but when I was in education at sixth form at my upper school, we had a darkroom, or rather, it was a cupboard that was evolved or transformed into a dark room but it worked it was fine and anyway um in sixth form you're allowed to go into the art department and go into the dark room book it out even if another lesson was on so i went in there and there was some you know year nine year 10 art class on i go in there and i'm experimenting with some pinel camera or something that, I'm, that i've made at school and i start i start developing the uh the, the 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 print <laughs> you see i'm a bit old school yeah. <laughs> what do you call that stuff again the print <laughs> don't do prints anymore um, put it in the water yeah is that it, what I put you it did? in the water yeah <laughs> so I, I did it all fine right I, I had all my chemicals out it was all fine quite enjoyed doing it under the red light very nice um and i was washing the print off at the end and have you seen those big like orange hoses you get you get on like old school yeah. taps at schools yep. and things yeah, right? yeah yeah well i didn't realize just how strong the pressure was on <laughs> yeah. these taps. so I, I turned the tap on in the dark um to clean to clean the <laughs> to clean the brains <laughs> and the orange it was like something out of a sitcom the orange toes flew up it starts wriggling around like a like a waving inflatable wacky tube man whatever they call it i'm trying to catch it i can't catch because i can barely see the damn thing i'm getting absolutely drenched water's going everywhere i've lost my print i come out of the dark room sopping wet with a soggy print in my hand and that was it that's my last time i ever went to a dark room taps. when you went into a lab you'd have those narrow taps with those little tubes on if you could think back yeah. at school yeah and if you did yeah. turn them on they would come out a hell of a rate some of those taps and yeah, they bloody would yeah that's you're right, right. that's like Any, found out anyway what were you so, saying robert have we gone so anyway back to we have well yes we did digress a little bit yeah. there onto onto film but no dust you know um I, I think there's a lot of people out there and we've come across this because we do a bit of teaching here and there don't we cam yeah and uh, we've come across some, some of our students some of our uh, photography enthusiasts i should say um that they have uh, these these black marks on their uh, images and they're wondering what it is you know and we have to kind of explain that well that's actually just dust on your camera sensor and when that happens you can you do a number of things you can you know get your puffer on it and try and blow the dust off etc cetera, etc cetera. send it off for repair um but how many of us have seen that that dust on our on our mm-hmm. actual digital cameras and, yeah. and you don't realize it sometimes how bad it is until you shoot f22 in studio conditions yeah. <laughs> and you see it all over your white background um yeah. i know we've had that issue a few times haven't we cam had it a, a lot over the years and um you know when i first when i first discovered it i didn't actually really know what it was until someone had said to me yeah it's just dust on yeah just dust on the sensor mm. but i don't know i just seem to pick up loads of it you know <laughs> there used to be, used to be this stuff and, and I don't know if it's still available or if it's still advisable, but I remember in the, in the early days of it, um, it was like stuff you, you'd you'd lift up the mirror because there was no such thing as mirrorless back then, mm. and uh, you'd paint on this this solution onto the sensor, and mm. it would kind of solidify and turn into a bit of a rubber, and then you kind of peel it off the sensor and it take off all the dust. It's like oh, a really? bit of a waxing strip almost. Yeah, yeah never come a bit like that. Yeah, that'd be nerve wracking, yeah, wouldn't no, it? Can... Pouring something onto your sensor in the hope that it's going to pull just just dust off. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I did it once with the D100. It worked really well. Really, Are you sure it wasn't removing yeah. hairs off your legs or something or off your chest? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Just what what I do in my private camera has got absolutely nothing to do with you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try that on my camera. <laughs> but, yeah. A good thing to do, I just want to say to everyone, a good thing to do is just, if you do have a bit of dust, is, and it's really dry, this, you know, but what to just kind of mention it. <laughs> dust. Um, if you point your camera at a clear wall and you just take the aperture up to, you know, F18, F22, and you, and you fire a few pictures off, um, that's you'll see more clearly then what dust is actually on the sensor because a lot of time you can focus past it at lower apertures. Yeah. Um, and that's where we've come unstuck at times in studio conditions. Uh, we do a lot of event photography, a lot of wedding photography. And it's, it's if there's a lot of dust on the sensor, a lot of time I'll never even know. But as soon as you step into a studio and or you're shooting at higher apertures, you, you will start to notice it or longer exposures and things. Um, and yeah, it can be a real problem, especially if you let it get yeah. really bad. So um, yeah, I mean on mirrorless cameras, it's it's much more simple. You can just take a take the lens off and take a little puff, puffer, little air puffer thing. I don't know what they're actually called, and try and blow the dust off. But sometimes it still needs a professional clean. So yeah. if you notice sometimes it, just it get the clean. Moves this, it moves dust in, doesn't it? Well, the thing is, dust, well, I hold it upside down and then and then yeah. you know. I know a lot of people buy their own kits because you you know you can buy them and do them, but I've never done that. I've, I'd always be really apprehensive um i know that you've got one of those blower brushes haven't you robert and you'd said that oh i'll, I'll do it yeah but, yeah they're pretty good <laughs> um i don't know i'm not convinced on using i don't know i've never felt comfortable buying a kit and cleaning my own camera sensor it's it's probably fairly straightforward but i've always had it done professionally yeah, yeah to be fair cam but well, at the rate yours going for repair they'll probably get cleaned anyway <laughs> Every, yeah. every seven to eight months. <laughs> I mean, I know with the cannons, every time you switch them on, it, it does shake the sensor. Yeah, there is a to shake the dust off. Yeah, there's an auto clean in most cameras. Does it do that with the, the Sony? It yeah, I don't do think it makes sense. any difference. No, um, I'm, I'm yeah, not. I can't say I've ever noticed a difference, actually. Well, I think it's just a, I think it's All just I think it might have been worse without it. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a gimmick. I think this, this oh, it's sensor cleaning. You know, I've seen in the Canon, <laughs> these little stars pop up. I don't think it does anything at all. I can't like, see like how, an What is it, like a those... wiper blade? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen, there was that video going around on Instagram, funny enough, and there was that video going around of some guy, obviously it's a, it's one of his decommissioned cannons, something's gone wrong with it or whatever, but he's got it in the uh, in the sink with soap and he's like scrubbing it out. He's got the lens off. He's, he's chucked <laughs> in a soap bowl of soapy water and he's scrubbing it all out on those big scrubber yeah. brushes. So how to clean your Canon, whatever, 5D Mark III or something. He's just scrubbing it all out with soap. On, really on, funny. On a general note, a bit of advice there for people like general use, like, well, I don't know what general use would be if you get your camera out maybe couple of times a month two or three how often do you think you should have it cleaned should you just have it done every year once a year just get your camera cleaned well i think it depends no not that often i think just when you no. start noticing it because yeah. you start to notice a bit of dust and it depends on how you, how you change your lens you know i know that yeah. camera sometimes when we're out in the field not mm. in a literal field but um we we do just we do just let the camera hang sometimes while we get a lens out and, and the sensors are kind yeah. of exposed and it's but when you're working quickly sometimes we just do that um where i can i try and just pop the camera down somewhere clean get the lens out carefully and switch over but when you're in the heat at the moment it's in those yeah. moments where you can force dust in and you're rushing around outside and whatever hmm. so it depends how much you change lens uh where you change lens how you do it i think is, is a large part of it and how often you shoot obviously like say so. yeah and i think right, the yeah. thing is, is the position of the i remember once having you know getting it done and literally about two weeks later having to send it off and get it redone again because the position mm. of this bit of dust 
you could guarantee it would all show up on somebody's face because it was mm. quite a big spec and it was right in the center. So if you're doing like bridal portraits and stuff like that, but if you've got it in like the, you know, if it's, it's in the outlying area of the center and it's not really coming through on the image or you only see it when you, you know, slightly in the sky, then it's easy to clone out and mm. it's not too bad, is it? Yeah, that's, yeah, right. that's yeah. a really good point, actually. Uh, I yeah. think it, there's been times where we've said, oh, Cam, you know, you've really got to get this camera sorted. And you're spending more time editing the dust out of the picture. Yeah. <laughs> or just editing the Beg picture. Beg your pardon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean that as, yeah. a, as a slight on you, Cam. That's true, yeah. when, when it gets to that point, hmm. um, when you really have to retouch every picture a lot, then you, it's, you get, you're wasting a lot of time then. So that's when you want to just think about getting it getting hmm. it sorted. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. Off, so. yeah. No, a bit of tech, a bit of technical advice there. We talk about it all on the photography bar. Nothing's off limits, even <laughs> dust. We went into the repair shop there for a minute, didn't we? Dust. Yes. Anybody? No. Dust. Do you dust. guys remember that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, is that I eat rusty spoons? Is that the is that the same thing? No. Or am that? I on my own? No, I don't know what that is. No, I eat dust. Don't know what you're talking about. What was that about. then? The dust thing? No, Little Britain. Oh, I'm thinking oh. of something else. Oh, remember Little right. Britain? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dust. Anybody? No. Some, oh, someone will get it anyway. Jeff, have you heard of that? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. There we go. So I'm not on my own. <laughs> anyway, guys, I think well, I think perhaps we've, we've we've reached our end here, haven't we? I think we yeah. probably have. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Jeff, thanks for coming back on and, and talking to us about the Shutter app. Um, really interesting conversation there about that, and I'd like to know um, what other people think of it as well, because, like you said, uh, Jeff, it it does have its detractors, but I think from what you've said. Um, you know, you've outlined some real pros there, some real advantages to using it as well and, and ways for people to get creative with that sort of thing. So uh, thanks thanks for coming on and, and talking to us about that. No, absolute pleasure. Yeah, cer- yeah, and certainly if you're a professional out there, uh, it's certainly something to worth exploring to add to your list of uh, services that you already offer. Um, certainly, I, I think we'll definitely be looking at it. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, yeah, uh, another another fantastic, I'm sure, insightful episode. I'm sure everyone will agree there of the photography bar. And uh, Jeff, I'm sure we're going to have you on again at some point. So uh, we'll we'll keep you in the loop, and we'll get you back on at some point in the future as well. Fantastic. <laughs> if if you want to come back on, this might be yeah, the, dust, the dust conversation <laughs> might have killed it. To That's be right. Fair. <laughs> so <laughs> I can hear everyone unsubscribing now. Um, yeah, we'll talk about painting studios next time, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, it's been a really good episode, guys. Thanks, everyone. And uh, make sure you like, follow, subscribe to the show. Please make sure you tell a friend. Uh, together, we're going to take on the uh, UK photography podcast scene. We're going to conquer uh, this this scene. <laughs> Here we go. And uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and it just really helps the show go a long way if you can spread that message, guys. So we're going to catch you on the next episode of The Photography Bar. <laughs>